This is Rona Smith for the RSBC Unseen podcast discussing transitions with Camille Holder. Uh, thank you very much for that, Rona. And we also have um, Alex Mann and Fela Boogie here from the RSBC too. Hello. And we'll just be <laughs> asking uh, Rona and Camille a few questions about their uh, different transitions in life. Um, two different ones that might have some similarities but some differences as well. Um, so Rona, do you want to tell us about what transition you're going to talk about? And I guess the first thing that popped to mind or the first things that you want to share. So when I was thinking about transitions for this podcast, I thought the topic I should focus on should be my transition from a mainstream college into a specialist college. I have spent all my life in mainstream school and it's only this year that I've moved to a specialist school. So I, I've i actually moved out of my home area, out of county um, to the Royal National College for the Blind in Hereford. That is my transition. And do, how was that for you over the last six months, um, did you say? I think so. Well, I started in September and we're now in February, so probably six months now. I thought it was going to be really hard because I had never been away from home before, not for anything longer than a week or five days. But I've actually settled in really well and made some consistent friendships with a group of consistent students. I'm doing very well academically. And I'm learning lots of different kinds of skills, not just academic skills, but independent living skills and mobility, doing laundry, making breakfast and managing my own stress. Um, The main way I tend to deal with stress is to actually contact my home. The college has a very good well-being team that I can speak to as well. And sometimes a simple thing like giving my friend a hug. Oh, yeah, it's important. Yes, because it's a residential college. They, they have to have a well-being team in place because they're dealing with students with additional needs and we're living away from home together. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything that you miss from mainstream versus what you have now in residential? I mean, in uh, specialist education. So the one thing I do miss about not being in mainstream is the fact that I'm not at home which means I can't see my friends regularly and many of my actual friends um, are are sighted and I felt that being in mainstream school meant that I was interacting with able-bodied people as well as disabled people and this is a very good skill to have so I do miss that And I do also miss things like not being able to see my PA regularly and not being able to do home things like enjoy some good home cooked food. And I know it sounds really silly, but it probably isn't that sometimes home cooked meals are the best. (laughs) I agree. Same. (laughs) And things like Mother's Day, Father's Day. I'm going home for Mother's Day, so that's not too bad, but father's day and my birthday i can't go home for those because they're too close to holidays yeah that's great i'd say it's really important to make sure you have that that time with your your family as well also are the uh, 
pros of going to a specialist school? The pro pros that I make that I've met new friends. Uh, I've got more freedom and independence to go out and do things that I don't have at home because I'm restricted to when I can go out with my PA or with a member of my family or even a family member of a friend that knows me very well. I have free time, so I do some socialising. I do need to socialise more because I'm a very, I'm a workaholic, so I study a lot. And I do need to learn to take more breaks, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we've all been there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it can be tricky. Uh, I've been tracking how how much my mobility and independence has improved over over this is out of date uh, five months, five or six months. And when I arrived at the college, I didn't know any of the routes of the college I was literally asking for transfers everywhere but now I can pretty much get around the college without any help and I'm even working on some outside routes so things like to the local shops well that's mainly the only route we've been focusing on at the moment because we always start they always start small and gradually build up so that we're not learning too much at the same time Was it difficult to choose what school to go to? No, it wasn't because we knew I had to go somewhere to get these independent living skills because I'd been at my previous college placement for five years and my independent skills were basically going nowhere. I was not really learning a lot of independent living skills. I wasn't really gaining confidence in the kitchen the truth was that although the college were great in terms of the academics, they're a mainstream college. They're not designed to support with the skills that are needed for a VI person. That's supposed to be done at home, but there are issues at home that mean I don't get the opportunities. So I needed a placement where I could have the opportunities without the issues. And Hereford was really the only option we knew of There are other specialist schools around the country, but they're mainly for secondary age children or even primary age children. Yeah, I think you might have already discussed your biggest challenge, but is there any other bigger, big challenges that were like surprising to you um, that you were able to overcome? So, like I said, I thought that the biggest challenge was going to be moving away from home, but I've actually managed that side of things pretty well. The second biggest challenge for me. I feel is being able to manage my workload and being able to not stress so much. There's a lot of stressful things been going on this week. I I need to learn to manage stress a bit better because I'm not at home. I can't really manage it the same way I would at home. So that is the second biggest challenge for me. Now, I just wondered what was the one thing that you couldn't have done before moving to a, a specialist school that you can do now? My mobility. I think Getting my around. mobility has really come a long way because when I was on my in my home area, I basically held on and did sighted guiding pretty much everywhere. Nowadays, I barely use sighted guiding at all. I'm walking independently 99% of the time. And also I'm proud that I can 
I'm starting to manage my own laundry and to make my own bed. Those are skills I never really had the opportunity to gain and practice back home. Brilliant. Um, and final question, uh, what advice would you give other young visually impaired people thinking of transitioning? Ask for help, uh, rely on friends for a cuddle, take everything as it comes, be open-minded because there's never a dull moment here. It's all always different, always something going on. And sometimes you need to take things with an open mind. Focus on the positives. Sometimes it's really hard to focus on the good. But in life, not just in college, you have to do that. Taking time to look over things as well. Reflect on what you've done, how far you've come. That's really my only advice for young people. That's really good advice, Rona. Um, yeah, with picking a school and getting through life uh, as well. Some other things I found and necessarily some cons of coming here is um, tackling my annual review alone, which I had last week and it did go very well, and dealing with my health on my own. So recently I wasn't very well and I had to manage that in a different environment where the staff don't know me particularly well I got through it but it was quite it was quite a shock to be honest I can imagine that's really I'm really glad your annual review went well yeah um, yeah it was last Thursday very good um I maybe everyone listening um knows what an annual review is but do you want to tell us what it is so and... an annual review is like a basically it's a subject review where they receive loads of reports from your teachers and your parents, not so much your parents at this stage of my life because I'm old now, but I did ask my mum to do something for me. And they basically read them all out and we analyse the progress that's been made during the year and we check your care plan, which is your EHCP, Education, Health and Care Plan, and we make some new objectives and sign the old ones off if, if they've been achieved. And some might be ongoing and some might be in progress and some might just not have been achieved at all. And it all so, went well for you. Yeah, academically, there was nothing surprising. Good attendance, good attitude, good behaviour, good positive mindset for learning. Stuff I've heard before throughout my educational career great great that's a huge achievement to do that on your on your own as well and while uh, at a different school away from your friends and family um so yeah well done move on to camille then yeah um, well done thank you for that <laughs> yeah thank you rona so camille you can take your time and just try and speak uh, into it as close to the microphone as you can as well so we can hear you well for me i have been in school for well, but I now have finished school about about a year ago, and have now started um, work in a community centre thanks to my neighbour Tim, who um, and over there we do loads of activities for kids mainly. But I'm at the reception, greeting people and see how I can help them. Uh, it's quite fun, um, but it wasn't easy. 
<laughs> I got over it after a while. It's not necessarily easy, but I managed to do it in the end. And... Yeah, that's <laughs> it. There's always lots of challenges and you just kind of have to keep going and overcome them and then there'll probably be new challenges <laughs> yeah, to <always>. overcome. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Camille do you want to tell us about your story of transition what what is it that you want to talk about today well when I was in France I was in a um, in a special needs school and then when I moved here about 11 years ago mainstream um, secondary school um, it was kind of tough at first because I didn't know the language um, I had to transfer between France uh, learning English, even though I said to my parents I would never learn um, English, I now speak as, as I speak really well now, but it's been, it was tough at first, especially 10, especially 11 years ago. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you, you you said to your parents that you would never learn English? Yep. <laughs> yeah, and here you are <laughs> exactly on a podcast. How did you do that and what um what helped you learn English so fluently now as well? <laughs> to be honest, I can't remember exactly, but I do know that my, my I had some teachers in France and then I also had a teacher that was a French teacher that um taught me English um when I first came here. It made it easier for the transition so so talking as a fellow person who's multilingual, um, which language is, would you say is your stronger one now? It depends, um, because if you're talking about speaking, I'm fluent in both. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about writing, um, it's much easier to write in English than it is in French. Oh, there you go. In French, I don't know why. You can relate, Alex. Um, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, what was the most surprising thing about moving to the UK from France? And where in France were you living as well, Camille? So I was born in Paris, but lived in Lyon most of the time. It was okay. a bit, a bit of a long story because I live. I was born in Paris, but then I lived in um, in London um, for a little bit, and then came back to France. Had my little sister, and then came back here. Your your French is better than your little sister's, right? If you're the older sibling. Um, <laughs> your, yeah. yeah. When you was in France, were there any um, charities for vision loss like RSPC? Um, you're gonna... No. No? I've only learned about the charities for, for VI once I got here, actually. Oh. I had no idea what, char- what charities were and I didn't even look when I was younger. So do you go back very often my dad works in france every uh, week so once right. in a while we'll go see him in france to, or to go to belgium um but this wasn't on your list of questions so i apologize but i think it will be very interesting for a lot of listeners is That's that okay. <laughs> what sort of accessible activities that you would recommend for someone who's traveling to france depends if, if they have because we take the I take the Eurostar and I usually have my cane with me. The people are very sweet. Um so they're much sweeter here, I think. But that very much nicer here than they are in France. But I did have I start when I started using my cane there they were understanding but also the, the training people were very understanding and helped a lot at the station and like that. Airplane airports as well. Um. Um, so, what would you say the 
biggest difference between because obviously you go back to France quite often and you're here um, for most of your life because you're living here um, <laughs> difference apart from the language and maybe the food when it comes to VI um, would you say people in England are more supportive or they're more aware of your needs and abilities that kind of stuff or would it would you say it's better in France I mean I can't really remember because I haven't been in like the school the school system in England is better than it is in France um and yes I do think that people are more understanding here especially that they have special charities for VI not like in France where there's not as much support. I'm sure my mum would agree on that one. <laughs> right. And what would you say is the biggest cultural shock when you came over here? Like, it's like, oh my God, I can't believe they do this. It, mainly, it's not really cultural, but it's mainly uh, when we first did some the shopping in, in England and in France, we can't find as much things as we would like, French things as we would like here than we do in France in terms of food. Particularly. <laughs> do you have an example? Um, some um, some of my favorite foods you might find disgusting, but I love ragwort and snails, and this is mm. something that we would never find in England when we do that. We do here. Um, yeah, I'd say do. it's difficult um, to find it here. Um, <laughs> uh, any any other cultures shocks? Well, food is, is such a big thing in France, you know, that it's really known for its food and <laughs> eating culture. It's wine, it's cheese. Like oh, food. yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started. I'm hungry already. <laughs> <laughs> um, just one more question from me then. Um, I, I just want to know, because we have a lot of people coming into the UK now, so you get uh, people from Ukraine coming here, We've got a few uh, young people joining RSBC on Hong Kong BNOs. For people who are new to England that are visually impaired, what sort of advice would you give them? I mean, as long as they can manage to find the help they need and to try and find different um, ways they can get some help with different charities and things and get some as much help as they can from their families and around England if they can find a good support network yeah basically <laughs> great, great, great. Rona do you have any questions for Camille um yes I have two so Go my ahead. first one is what were people's uh, what are people's attitudes to VI people like in France I mean they're not as nice as they are here but Sure, if you explain what I mean by that is, do you feel you get this? You would get the same level of help here uh, in France as you would here, like the activities that you do, the help with employment. The no, definitely not. (laughs) The friends you've made, you know, the things that you enjoy best about the UK. Do you think that that support would be available to you in France? I. I'm not I'm not really sure because when I uh, when I was in France I was I was not uh, I was younger but I do know that by now well I haven't really done much research but I do know that by now in England they have a lot more services for the eyes than they do in France. And my second question was, how do you um 
keep in contact with people from France? Do you like other than visiting them when you go to visit France with your parents? Do you like keep in contact with them via social media to maintain those connections with your past life, like with your I mean, past environment? Or I don't use social media, but I do uh, WhatsApp them. I have the phone number by email, but I would not. I don't use Twitter, Facebook, as and Instagram, even though I do have. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the RSBC Unseen podcast, talking about transitions with myself, Rona Smith, Camille Holder, and Fela Buggy and Alex Mann, our lovely hosts. If you've liked this podcast, please leave a review and check out our previous podcast episodes using Spotify, Apple Podcasts or your regular podcast app. Thank you very much for listening.